Yeah, buddy! Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Near Mint Hockey Card Podcast, episode six. I'm your host, Elon Dubrowski, and with me is your other host, Ryan Krieg. Hey, Elon. Yeah, I'm excited to dig into grading. We've been having lots of off-air conversations about grading in our Discord channel, and it's one of the most complicated things to fully understand in the world of hockey cards. It's actually relatively new, so... We're going to really dig into that. Yeah, I'm definitely stoked for this show. We've been talking about it since we started, and we've obviously been bringing it up in each episode. We've been bringing up, oh, this is a PSA 10 or a BGS 9.5. So we're going to get into what all of that means in this show. Also, uh, Ryan and I have dug into, like, how to get our cards graded, because we both have been talking about how we've been buying all of these cards off of eBay and other places over the past couple of months. And at this point, now we got to take our cards that might be valuable, get them graded, and really up the value. And I think in this episode also, we're going to talk about how much more valuable will our cards get if they get graded. And obviously, it's going to depend a lot on what scores come back. So I think that's uh, the plan for the show. Let's, so I guess we could start by setting the table with maybe just some generic talk on what is this whole business? Why would we get our cards graded? I've got here my... My Kucherov in a one-touch that, I don't know, looks pretty good. So why should I send it off to get graded? I could just look at it, and I could tell myself, look, it's a pretty card. There he is, right here. Yeah, so I mean, maybe even a step further backward. Let's say you were completely offline for the last 20 years, and you haven't gotten back into hockey cards or sports cards in general. Grading is brand new to you. So what is what really is grading? It's basically you send your card to this company. Uh, It's generally Beckett or PSA. And they look at the card from every different angle, basically. They look at, like, corner perfection. And basically, is there anything wrong with the card? And decide on a scale of 1 to 10, how mint is this card? Uh, And that's basically it. And they're like a reputable company. So once you have that reputation that your card is like 10 out of 10, uh, obviously the value goes up because now they've said it's PSA 10 or BGS 9.5, as opposed to back in the day, you would just have to be like, yeah, looks perfect. And someone have to kind of trust you. Yeah. Also, I feel like one really cool thing about the grading is you're sort of like locking it in, you know, it's like they put it in this tamper proof case where, you know, there's obviously they want to make sure that you're not going to take a ugly card and somehow get it into a PSA 10 case and then make them look like a bunch of dum-dums. So yeah, like they put it in this case and now you have this card. You know, I don't know. It feels like such a load off, right? Like you've got your card. I guess you want to keep the case from getting damaged because apparently that even affects the value. Man, people are so picky in this hockey card business but like i've got here my talked about last show my my mcdavid ksa 8.5 which is a beautiful card in a not so beautiful case because ksa is not uh the most reputable company but i i wrapped it up here in plastic just to make sure i don't damage the case even though maybe by the end of the show you'll have given me the advice to take it out of the case and send it (laughs) to a real company to get graded yeah so i actually have two awesome things and one you're gonna love um Actually, one awesome one not thing. So I actually got a graded card in the mail, and the case has, like, a little chip on it. And it was, like, such a disappointing thing, right? Like, it obviously got damaged in the mail. So tip number one, when you're buying and selling these graded cards, like, protect them in the mail. Um, 
but what I wanted to say to you is while I was looking into grading, apparently you can send uh, your KSA or BGS graded slab directly to PSA and they will look at it in the, in the slab still identify if you're going to get a certain grade for PSA and then re-slab it in PSA. And what you do is you set a minimum grade that you want to get from PSA. So while it's still in the slab existing, they're kind of looking to see if you're going to get that. And if yes, they'll kind of re-slab it to PSA for you. Right. So you're saying like, if they look at my 8.5 KSA and they see that to them, it's only like a seven out of 10 on PSA, they'll be like, they're not going to take it out and throw it in the seven, in the seven and make the value go down. They'll let me live in my fantasy land where I have a nice card and keep it in the KSA 8.5. So it's interesting. Yeah. I see on the PSA site, it's called a crossover for cards yeah, previously yeah. graded by other companies. So well, and actually it's, it's you that gets to decide. So if you think that a PSA seven is the minimum you'd accept, because a PSA 7 is worth more than a KSA 8.5, for example, you tell them, you know, the minimum grade of PSA I want back is 7. If it's below that, then don't do it. Um, the key thing to know there is they're going to charge you regardless. Right, yeah. And the interesting thing to me is, like, these are humans, right? And I, one day, I sometimes soon, we keep saying it, but I want to get an actual grader on the show to ask questions like this. But I feel like... If if let's say they look at the card and they think like this is pretty perfect, I don't know why KSA was being so tough on it. Wouldn't like a human be like, well, I don't want to be seen as being more lenient than this, you know, unreputable company KSA. So I, I'm not going to give this a, a nine. If KSA gave it eight point five, that that would be a concern of mine. That maybe they would just have it, you know, even a, like a subconscious bias of like we're mm. stricter, like we're not going to be more lenient. I think that PSA and BGS are very committed to being consistent rather than just like more strict. The, the real thing with K KSA or Mint or any of the other ones is, you know, sometimes you do get a grade that's deserved, but it's just not as trusted because it's not as consistent. So I think mm -hmm. with PSA or BGS, that's kind of what you look to see is like, they're going to grade it the same as something else that they would have graded the same score. Um, but maybe there's some human psychology in there. Um, this is kind of a bit of a, an aside, but a cool did you know. Apparently, the people grading cards are in this kind of grading room, and they don't actually know who the owner of the card is. So whoever's, like, processing your order when you send it in that sees, you know, Ryan Krieg sent this in, whatever, takes those cards and gives it to the grader, but they don't know that it's mine anymore. So they have, like, this complete subjective view um, so that's really interesting. And the other cool thing is they're actually not allowed to have any like monetary investment in the cards that they're grading. So they can't like grade something at 10 and then buy it immediately or do anything weird like that. Yeah. So I would even hope that, yeah, it's cool to know they have like, especially these like bigger companies, you're paying them lots of money. We're going to get into how much you have to pay to get this service. So yeah, you'd hope that they have really good processes in place to make sure that, like you say, it's consistent. Everyone's getting fair grades. To give a sense of like why you would want to get a card graded, I just randomly, I searched on eBay, sold items, Artemi Panarin Young Guns. So I want to buy myself a Panarin Young Guns. It's like a single card, not like one of the fancy foil versions, just the regular one. So I'm looking at some sold ones recently. I'm seeing... uh a version of it not graded at all 
1999 on October 26th. I wish I got in on that auction. I've been spending closer to 35 for my two uh, Panarin Young Guns. Look at that. But uh, so, yeah, we're looking at like maybe 25 to $40 for a raw Panarin Young Guns. Then I'm scrolling down here. Okay, here's a PSA 9. So a 9 out of 10. Do you want to take a guess what that went for? Uh, my guess will be $60. Yeah. Pretty much yeah. is 57, but then yeah. plus 15 shipping. So obviously this right. was one of these sneaky sellers that's trying to make more profit from the shipping. But yeah, so maybe we're talking like 60 to $70 for a PSA 9. So it's like a bit of a profit because you could sell it for like 35 raw or if you have a PSA 9, you could get like 60. But then once you take, take into account the cost, which we'll get into of sending it to be graded, which might be like $10, $15, all of a sudden that profit isn't even that high. Yeah. But it maybe is worth the risk because if you have a PSA 10 of the exact same card, you get a 10 instead of a 9. And we're looking at 200 plus that I'm seeing yeah. it sell for. So it's like a huge jump. And it just makes me so... I'm thinking 266. Someone bought a right. PSA 10 Panarin Young Guns. So it's like... So, uh, it's wild. What Like one little, little nick on a corner or something is going to make the difference of like $150 for this one card. Yeah, so I think maybe go back to our episode about eBay and think really hard about when you're buying raw cards that you have to like inspect them so much. And it's definitely a bit of a skill that you, you have to learn and research and figure out to try and get as close to understanding if the card you're buying even has the potential for a nine or a 10. And then the other thing that I think is important is you're submitting a few cards at a time. You might even be submitting, let's say five Panarins at a time. And you would only really submit things that you think have the chance at being a 10. And so then if you send in five Panarins, three come back as a nine and two come back as in a, at a 10, then you're still doing really well overall, even though you kind of break even on those nines. Yeah, I see what you're saying. So you're saying buy the raw cards, but realize that it's a gamble. And I guess the more you buy, the better chance you have of getting more tens, which make up for the the nines that you get. Yeah, I got one in the mail that I saw. The one of the corner looks a little funky, and it kind of made me sad. It was like, well, that's maybe forty dollars that maybe I won't even send it to get graded. I could probably like resell it, and sh- but you know, then it's like almost like I'd feel bad. Like if I were to just list it raw. You know, like, I don't want someone else to think that they're getting, you know, a bad card. But if I, like, list it and say, like, one corner looks funky in the description, then it's going to sell for only, like, $20, probably. So Right. Well, I think there's a couple things with that, is some people aren't really worried about the, like, grade potential. So people will buy and sell graded cards and kind of collect them. I know collectors that are, like, fully not interested in graded cards at all. So that they're maybe not worried about that. And the other thing is, I think if you have a nice photo of your card and people can really inspect what they're getting, a lot of people will say, you know, look at the photo to see what card you're getting. Mm -hmm. You can't really expect people to like post all the details of all the little nicks on a card they're selling. That would kind of take forever. Yeah. So just like take a good picture and then, yeah. Yeah. So we'll see maybe through this discussion if I should send that card, but how, okay. So that's sort of the general idea. So we've talked about PSA, which is one company. And you said the other big company is, is Beckett, which uh, is often referenced as BGS in the listings. And even between then, like between those two companies, you're getting wildly different values. And uh, the interesting thing I've found is, so basically BGS, 
they have a 9.5 score. So yeah. PSA just has 9 and 10. And there's no 9.5. BGS has 9.5. And they even break it down into four separate scores that it's like, what are they? So corners, edges, centering, and surface. Am I right? That's off the top of my head, Ryan. So, <laughs> like... Yeah, uh, that was good. And each of them gets a score of 9 out of 10. Then I guess they take whatever, you know, if like three of them are 9.5 and one of them is 9, then they give the overall score a 9.5. And same, if three of them are 9.5 and one of them is 10, the score is also 9.5. And then the value is even affected by, you know, the difference between the subgrades. But the general gist, I'll just throw out there, is like, if you could get a BGS 10, which looks like it's almost impossible to find, which would mean you'd have to have, I guess, like three 10s and one 9.5, then you're, that's like worth the most. That's higher than a PSA 10. If you could get like all tens as the four subgrades, I haven't even seen that. I don't think. <laughs> like, I think so, that's called, yeah, yeah. So actually, the the four tens is a BGS ten. It's called pristine. Three tens and nine point five is also pristine, but the four tens gets you a black background with gold lettering on your card versus the pristine 10 just gets you the gold background so if you see that black background bgs 10 that's like the absolute most perfect card you can ever get and that is the most valuable graded card you can get i kind of like how um bgs has these different colors so there's the black there's gold for 9.5 and 9 and they've got silver at a lower tier and then white. So you really like see the difference versus PSA. They all look the same. And then I, I like for me, the subgrades is a pretty big deal. Like you get to really see like how it got graded for each aspect of the card um, and understand how they're getting to that solution. And the other very weird thing for me is PSA does half grades all the way to nine. And then they don't have a 9.5. And I don't know why. And I think that's kind of strange because then there's going to be PSA 10s that are probably more like 9.5s and there will also be 9s that are more like 9.5s. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just really strange to me that that's the case. But it does mean that PSA 10s are more valuable than BGS 9.5, even though a lot of the industry agrees that those cards are often going to be very similar in like card quality. Yeah, which then makes it tough, t- such a tough decision of where to send it. Like assuming, let's say you had a budget to and whatever, you didn't have to worry about bulk shipping to save on that. But like, just where do you want to send your card? So it's like my Panarin, uh, a BGS 9.5 Panarin Young Guns. I'm seeing selling as low as like 70 and as high as like maybe around 80 or 90. So a lot less than the PSA 10 but, you know, higher than the PSA 9. So it's like, do I send it to PSA, hope to get that 10, which is easier to get than a BGS 10, which I'm just going to assume is impossible to get because I find them so (laughs) rare even to find them on eBay. Uh, So, yeah, it's like this whole other game where it's like, okay, BGS 10 is the most valuable, then PSA 10, then BGS 9.5, then PSA 9, and then with BGS you have all those subgrades. So, yeah, you really have to become an expert almost on looking at the card yourself and trying to figure out what grade you're going to get from both companies so then you can decide which one to send it to to maximize the value of the card you get back. And then yeah. I guess I will ask you, is there any reason in any circumstance to send it to another company? Like there's these other ones, Mint or KSA, like we brought up. They're so much cheaper to send to, but I guess like just the value uh, like in terms of what you can get for it selling on eBay is just so much less. So I don't want to I don't want a blanket statement say there's no reason to ever 
send it to those companies. I think if you're in, let's call it the investment game, I wouldn't. But then again, you're going to get the cards back a lot faster. So I think Mint might be my suggestion. It's a Canada-based company, um, and they're kind of on the up and up if you're going to go away from these two for some reason. Um, so you're going to get your cards back a lot quicker and maybe you can gain some value on those graded cards and be able to quickly flip those cards. Um, the other thing is if, if you're more of a collector and you're grading cards and slabbing cards, slabbing is like the process of putting them in these nice cases. Um, then I don't see a big reason not to go with one of these other companies because you're going to get your cards quicker. It's probably going to be a bit cheaper and they do still have like quality looking slabs. It's just not as consistent and it's definitely not as trusted. So it's going to be a lot harder to sell if like selling a lot of cards is your ultimate end game. Yeah. So I guess you have to decide for yourself. It looks just as my KSA of McDavid, like looks fine. It's just, uh, I know that I'm not going to be able to get that much for it. And so now right. I have to decide whether to send it off. Okay, so that's sort of more like general. Do you want to get into, because this was the thing that it took me a while. I went to PSA's site to try to figure out how much does it cost to get my cards graded? I just want to know like how to do it. And it's like, I, there's a lot of information just on the site of different options, things to do. So I thought like a valuable thing we could do in this episode is actually get into like how to do this and how much it costs currently as of today is October 26th. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I could give you my findings for PSA and then you did similar research for Beckett. So I think it'll be, be nice to actually talk through and like learn <laughs> once and for all, like how to do this and what the options are and how much it costs. Yeah. So I actually think that PSA is a little bit more complicated. So why don't you start with Beckett then? Yeah. I'll, I'll start off with kind of a brief overview of their pricing um, so Beckett actually just introduced somewhat recently the ability to grade cards without the subgrade that Beckett has, and it's about half as expensive. Um, I'm not really going to touch on that because I think a lot of the value in Beckett comes from those subgrades, but it's, it's good to know. But if you're at the, let's call it the base level of grading, because you can pay a lot more to get things in, you know, a lot faster time frame. Um, but if you're just kind of at the bottom, you can get uh, each card at $30 a card if you're shipping them from one to 50 cards. If you're shipping them over 100, that goes down to $20 a card. But it's, it's pretty substantial. So this is US dollars, right? That is a great question. I'm going to guess they told me Canadian because I'm on their site in Canada, but okay. I should double check that quickly. Why don't you tell me kind of what the comparable is for PSA and I'll confirm. Sure. Well, $30 a card is quite a lot. <laughs> like, especially if we're talking about a Panarin that I bought for $35, we're like doubling the uh, cost there just to get it graded. PSA then actually is cheaper once you figure out what's going on. And so I'll tell you what, again, I'm just like telling you what I saw on their site, but I'm telling you, this was, took me like a half an hour to try to cobble all this information together. But okay, so here is what I found from the PSA website in terms of their pricing. It's a little bit complicated. And actually, 
We've had some help here in the chat room and realized it's even more complicated than I realized. Because if you go to their main site, psacard.com, you go under services, you look at trading card grading, you see some prices on the front page. It says $10 per card for cards with a maximum declared value of $199. I should probably explain. They expect you to come up with what the value of the card is that you're sending. So basically you take a look, they give you a little guide to try to give your own guess as to what the grade will be out of 10. And then once you kind of come up with your guess, then you could look and see what that card is sold for on eBay or Comp or wherever. And then you, you know, then, then that's the, the cost of it is depending on the value of the card. And I read in their FAQs that like, you know, you're not going to get away with anything. Like if you say that I think this card's only worth 150, but then they deem it worth 500, then they're going to tell you that you have to uh, pay them more money in order for them to grade the card. But anyway, so yeah, so a card up to $200, it says on this main page, $10 per card. Then it says $20 per card for up to $500. And then it says $50 per card up to $1,000. And then it's like goes even higher than there. But that $10 per card, when you actually click through... And you say, okay, $10 per card. That's not so bad for value under $199. We can get our Ehlers, you know, graded. We can get our Fialas. We get all that done. You know, take a card that we spent $10 on and then probably be able to sell that for $100 once you get a PSA 10. Uh, then you click through. All of a sudden you realize, no, that, that was a bit of a marketing thing because the $10 per card, you realize it says join collector club to unlock. So that's not actually the cost. In fact, it doesn't even look like there is a way to get your card graded without joining this collector club from everything I'm seeing. So let's go into the collector's club of which there are three options. There's a silver, a gold, and a platinum collector's club, but also on the psacard.com site, which uh, as of now, which is October 26th, 2020, in case you're listening to this in the future, uh, gold and platinum aren't even available right now. So PSA is just so hot. You can't, you can't even get a lot of this stuff. But uh, so the gold and platinum memberships not only give you this special pricing, and now it looks like the only way to get your card graded, but they also give you some free uh, gradings, but you can't get those. Forget that. Silver membership does appear to be available. $59 per year US for the membership. And then that unlocks your pricing, which is uh, based now we're talking based on when the card came out. So 1971 and earlier, $10 per card. 1972 to 2016, $12 per card. And then 2017 to present, $15 per card. But all of those are for only max value of 199. So if I want to get my McDavid Young Guns graded by PSA, you know what? I don't even think then then you have to use the regular pricing and not the membership pricing, which means we're talking like $50. So uh, maybe more. If it's a PSA 10 McDavid, that's worth more than $1,000, which means we were probably looking at $75. So uh, did that help? Was that, did that help anybody? Or did I just throw a bunch of random numbers out there? No, I think it's good. I think the takeaways are for PSA, you must have a membership basically these days because of the crazy uptick in people submitting during COVID. And as this boom has kind of started in the sports card industry. Um, So basically you have to get a membership for PSA and then you kind of unlock the ability to do kind of these big bulk submissions. Um, And yeah, I, I think for BGS, they also have these subscription packages. They don't work quite as well because, you know, it's $120 about 
for their lowest package. It says it saves you $42, which isn't that much. They kind of use this different thing where they offer you their online price guide as part of this. And they also give you six grading submissions. But those grading submissions are their grading submissions that do not include the subgrades. So they're giving you kind of the crappy version of their grading with the subscription package. So I don't really know why in the Beckett world you would want a subscription. I think you'd probably just not do that and stick with bulk submissions so you can get them, uh, you know, just the grading you want with the subgrades. And there doesn't seem right now to be any kind of restrictions on that. Um, And can you remind us, what's the cost for the bulk submission per card to Beckett? Right. So bulk submission depends on how many cards you're sending. Uh, So for what is called their 30-day submission, which when I look at their turnaround times is actually more like six months. (laughs) Um, I don't know. They should change the name of that because 30 days is not equal six months by my math. Anyways, <laughs> um, it's $30 a card if you send them 50 cards or less. It's $25 a card from 51 to 99 cards. And it becomes $20 a card when you get 100 or more cards. So really, bulk submissions are your friend. And, and do you- they have this max uh, value restriction? Or is that only a PSA thing? I don't think they do. I think it's just you send them the card and they will Hmm. grade your card, which honestly, that makes sense. What's the difference between grading a McDavid (laughs) and grading a, I don't know, Oscar Lindblom? So I read the, some FAQ stuff on PSA. So what I understand is what they're claiming is that they're going to give it like extra care to like, depending on how valuable it is, like they, you know, they have to do a more whatever. Extra, yeah. <laughs> so, do you, okay. Do you mean you're gonna get a worse score because it's a better card? Like that's <laughs> crap. <laughs> yeah. So I wonder, like, uh, maybe it's also insurance. I don't know. Like, if if something gets damaged, they want to, you know, sure. they're taking on more liability. So it seems like just from this preliminary look, uh, for cards we expect to be valuable, it's cheaper to send it to Beckett but for cards that if we have a bunch of cards that we think are gonna be worth less than $200 then it seems like it might be cheaper to get the membership and send it to PSA because we're looking at 15 or $12 per card versus like 25 yeah so this is gonna be a real like you and I have a bunch of cards we want to get graded and at this point I have no idea what we're we're gonna send where I almost feel like I want to send it to Mint now (laughs) after (laughs) all of this let's not do that but did you get a sense of what the turnaround time is for PSA because I've kind of heard through the grapevine that it's like nine months, almost like a year kind of deal where BGS is claiming it's under six months and you can actually pay more to get it within, I think their, their shortest turnaround is 30 days, but that's if you are very rich and spend $125 a card. (laughs) But what, what did PSA say about that? It just kind of says in different places that like like times are longer now, mm. and it's uh, I don't think no it's guarantees. giving you a promise as far as I could find. Maybe yeah, I could search around the site some more, uh, but definitely I've been following the hockey cards subreddit, and people are like, oh, I finally got back my PSA submission that I submitted like nine months ago or whatever. So like yeah, it does right. it does seem like you're taking a really long time. So if you're trying to uh, you know I've got my my Jack Campbell that I want to be ready to flip as soon as uh, Frederick Anderson gets injured and Campbell gets a couple shutouts in a row. 
uh, that even like if I did think that was a smart strategy, like it might not be worth it because by the time he gets hot, I might not have the card back. I might miss my window. Yeah. So the takeaway here basically is if there's any card that you're hoping to flip within, let's say, let's call it the next year, which seems crazy. You should either be buying it slabbed already, graded already, or if you have the raw version, just reselling it raw. Because there's no guarantee that you're going to get your card back until like the next Stanley yeah. Cup champion is crowned, which is insane. And it might be a nine. And it, and might, it might be a nine. It might not even be a good grade. Yeah. So this has been a depressing episode of the Near Mint Hockey Card <laughs> Podcast, where if you want to get your cards graded, it's going to be expensive, and it's going to take forever, and you'll likely be disappointed. But if you get back your 10 out of 10, you could it could be worth a lot of money. So lots to consider. Wow. I'm going to let that digest. I guess we'll like tweet out and we'll share with people if they're curious like what we end up deciding to do. And like definitely it'll be really fun to like post on Instagram when we do actually send out a shipment to either PSA or Beckett or both to share what we decide and then people could follow our lead. But yeah, uh, Ryan and I are going to put our heads together and figure out because we have some cards. Do you, you want to talk through some of the cards to end the show that we were planning on sending out? Well, I have two other things that I think are important to mention when it comes to graded cards. And that is um, autographs, first of all. You can also do autograph services. I actually have one here for, uh, this is my Tyson Berry Future Watch Auto. And uh, basically what they'll do in this case, they'll look at the autograph and they will evaluate how well that player autographed this card. Because they're autographing, in this case, 999 of them in a row. So some of them are going to be pretty slop show. Um, so this one got a 10. So, so Tyson Berry really paid attention on this one and really crushed his autograph. Um, so you can do autograph scoring or grading. And then you can also do authentication. And so I have one here for uh, Yeri Curry. And this one is a card where, you know, the individual that originally had this card got this hand signed by Yari Curry. And so in this case, because it wasn't made by Upper Deck, um, you have to authenticate that it's a real one. So you can send it in, they'll evaluate it, authenticate that this is the real Yari Curry that signed this thing, and they'll send you back the slab thing that just basically says authentic autograph. So... Yeah, I just wanted to quickly touch on, like, this is kind of another service that you can get, and then you get, like, the grade right next to that autograph grade. So if you get, like, 10 card quality and 10 autograph, that's awesome. Um, And the last thing is... Can I comment quickly on the autographs? Yeah, of course. So I'm not going to do this. This is, like, (laughs) not an ethical thing to do. But if I, like, just... When I retire, I'm very tempted to spend... Like, I just feel like how how are they really how good can they be at authenticating these autographs like i don't know i'm just generally skeptical about autograph authentication and i feel like i would want just as a fun hobby for me and my friends to autograph cards you know like look at the autograph try our best to forge it send it off and see if we can get them to give us an authentic autograph score just to see if i could not to resell it that would be unethical but i feel like that would be a lot of fun to try to beat yeah to beat the experts well, I feel like PSA is catching people that have like taken an exacto and like just trimmed the slightest edge and yeah, but like, that's easier. I, I, I think. think 
I think that they're very good at this and (laughs) you might be able to get away with it for like a guy that hasn't signed many autographs and like, isn't someone anyone cares about. But I truly believe that like, it is an extremely hard thing to do. And if it wasn't, there would be a big problem in the industry and we'd hear about it like every day. For sure. Um, because, you know, a player's autograph, like, we could do a whole show about autographs, probably. I've, yeah. been, I've read a bit about it, actually, a lot in the past. Like, you could see a, the, the same player just over his career. His autograph can change. Right. Also, like, on a day, you know, you could be, like, hungry. You could be, like, sort of sleepy. <laughs> like, the, the, he could be drunk. Like, you know, the, the autograph might not be the same every single time right. someone signs it. So, yeah, it's and like, But I, that's, a, that's a whole other discussion, probably. It is. And I, I do think that, like, to a certain extent, autographs being graded is a bit silly. But sometimes I've seen autographs and, like, you know, the the pen, like, died for a second. So that looks kind of crappy. Or, like, the player decided to, like, write over top of his name. And, like, it, it very visually, you look at that card and you're like, well, that autograph just isn't as good. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, they can give you a score of just how pretty the autograph right. is beyond just authenticating it. Yeah. All right. So, um, is there anything else you wanted to uh, bring up about the services they offer? The last thing is the population reports, because I think that's really important uh, for both PSA and BGS. You can go onto their sites and look up any card, and it will tell you how many cards have been graded as a ten, how many have been graded as a nine, so on and so on, and you can get an idea of, you know how many McDavid PSA 10s are out there in the world and, you know, how hard is it to get these? So, you know, there's obviously a lot of McDavid graded cards out there, but there's also high demand for him. I think we were looking at, um, was it Max Domi we were looking at last week where he didn't actually have a lot of graded cards. And so you can kind of look at some of the kind of middling players and say, you know, there's only say 50 PSA 10s of this player out there in the world. So if I have one and I want to sell it, you might get like a kind of a boost because no one else is selling those PSA 10s. Yeah, it was actually Jacob Verana, I think, if right. I recall correctly. I was like so curious to know how much I could buy it for and I couldn't, uh, couldn't, couldn't find, find it. it. Yeah, I, look, I also looked up uh, Ilya Mikheyev after we discussed him as a potential good buy last week. And very few people have graded his cards. And that's probably because grading a Mikheyev card is a bit expensive. And he hasn't really shown that he's like worth grading yet. But for that reason, there's only a few that really have that high rating. And so I wonder if you get like kind of into that grading early, if you really do get a boost in value or not. Yeah, I guess, especially if people all of a sudden want it. Like if he does something really huge and he gets hot like Demko in the playoffs last year. Imagine if there weren't any graded Demkos and you had the only one. Well, especially in today's world, like, so I've got a Barrett Hayton young guns here. You know, he's done nothing so far. I imagine without looking that his population reports are very low. Let's say that I submit him to PSA today. And in nine months, I'm going to get my PSA 10 Barrett Hayton back. Well, I might be one of the first people to actually have that card because everyone's waiting in this massive long line. So, and if, and if they start submitting once he becomes a superstar in this hypothetical world, four or five months from now, 
they're going to have to wait that extra five months. And so there's going to be so few of these PSA 10s on the market. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, like I haven't seen, like I have, you know, we haven't been doing this podcast while there's an actual hockey season going on and these values are really fluctuating. I don't know if the value, like, so do we know if the value actually fluctuates based on the number of graded cards out there? Like, I think it's an interesting hypothesis, though it is kind of like a weird thing. Like, it's, are people really going to spend extra on a graded Barrett Hayton just because they're rare? Because as soon as a bunch of people get their cards back, there's going to be more and more of them flooding the market. And normally, when you have some collectible and then all of a sudden a whole bunch more appear, that makes your value go down. So I don't know if I would be willing to pay extra unless it's just like I want to get it. And it's just like right. there's just lots of people wanting this card and it's hard to get it right now. I think that's what it is. It'll be the recency bias. So anytime someone does something amazing, cards kind of do this spike, right? And, you know, I experienced this a little bit with Tyson Berry where I wanted to go find slabbed graded cards of Tyson Berry and there were very few out there. For a guy that, you know, he's been around for a long time, you'd think he's got graded cards out there. Um, And so what I think happened is a, people bought them immediately when he got signed. And B, there's just not that many people s- selling that card. And so those people selling those graded berry cards probably could make a few extra dollars because anyone that wants one is competing in a very small market of like, it's just, it's really just supply and demand, right? Yeah, so it'll be fun to follow and see how these things affect it. And yeah, like maybe moving forward, we should talk about, uh, like when we're talking about the values of cards, we should also bring up if the, uh, like what the population report says and whether or not that affects things. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, so I think that was it that I wanted to talk about for graded cards. I think we could have like another episode where we go like super deep on a few things, but I think that gives people the lay of the land. So why don't I I tell you, you kind of mentioned it earlier, but the first one that I'm kind of on the fence about grading, because, you know, I think he's a great player. The card looks great. In in all these cases, the cards, I think, could be tens. But uh, I'm not really sure whether it would make sense. Um, So the first one I have on my list here is Victor Arvidsson. So this guy was playing better than Peter, or not Peter Forsberg, (laughs) Um, the other Forsberg, Philip Philip Forsberg. And, you know, he's becoming a star quite quietly in the league. But yeah, I just, I, I just don't know whether I should be submitting something like this. The thing is, his cards are dirt cheap, right? Like, we're looking at, like, raw Victor Arvidsson. It's like, you could sometimes get it for 99 cents. Like, you're just the only bid, and you get it. So as far as the raw card, it's worth nothing. So you're spending, like, 15 to 20 times the cost of the card to get it graded. And then I'm seeing that a PSA 10 of a Arvidsson Young Gun sold a couple weeks ago for $35 on a Buy It Now. So if you're doing this... It's for sure you want to get that 10. Yep. And then you're hoping that he... Because he, he just came off a down year. So I, it would be interesting to see... You know, he had a like a 40-goal season, I believe, a couple a couple years ago when he yep. really broke out. So if he does that again, you'd think then, yeah, he pops. And if Nashville is looking like a team that's going to go far again, if they could somehow bounce back from some, kind of a disappointing season. So I think... I don't know. I don't really think that 
I would do it unless you're just like a real Arvidsson truther and you think that like there's a really good chance that he's getting back to those 40 goals, which I think is a decent chance. Hey, I just traded for him in a dynasty league. There you Actually, go. I like his contract and I think I got him a, a good value. Me and Mathieu, who's, who's here in the chat, it's our joint team and I'm very happy with this Arvidsson. Uh, but at the same time, like, for example, Mathieu's asking in the chat, so no Fiala? And I would say I would much rather get my Fiala graded mm. rather than Arvidsson because, well, first of all, I spent a little more on the Fialas. The Fialas cost like 6 $7 as opposed to like $1 or $2. So at least you're not, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the difference between the cost of grading and the cost of purchasing. It just feels like kind of crazy to spend $15, $20, to grade a card that you spent a dollar on. But right. also, I just think Fiala has that like superstar potential like what he was doing at the end of last season why can't he just do that some more <laughs> like all of next season and actually give us an 80 plus point season plus he's gonna be playing with Kaprizov and maybe also with their newly drafted guy that everyone's super excited about that could jump right up to number one C so I feel like just I love I just think Fiala is like has a bigger chance of being a superstar I think even if uh, Arvidsson has a decent season I don't think he has that that much upside because it just doesn't like i mean his cards look so low right now and he's a pretty decent player in the league like what else can he do yeah i think i mean first of all we're gonna have to make a bet about fiala because i think you're wrong but like you think he's not gonna have a big season (laughs) i don't think he's coming close to 80 points but i also think arvidson will outperform him in the near future um i'll bet you on that too yeah so That'll be interesting to watch. But I also think that from this perspective, if, if you're saying, let's call it $15 for simplicity's sake for submitting the PSA, um, it's probably more like 20 But let's say 15 and then you spend $5 with shipping and everything on Arvidsson, right? So it costs $20 for Arvidsson. What does it cost for Fiala? 30 35 No, probably the same. Like, cause it's just less than $200. I don't think it's worth more than $200 right now, even if it's a 10 on Fiala. No, sorry. I mean that combined with the PSA price plus oh, the price the of buying Arvidsson. Right, I see what you mean. It's yeah, about yeah. $20 as opposed to like $35, let us call it, for Fiala. So it's $15 more for Fiala. And then you're looking at, okay, well, what are they going to do to make their value go up? And then, so I wonder if you'd have more of an opportunity to make money from that Arvidsson. Mm. I mean, I get what you're saying. If you're saying there's equal chance, like this just comes down to like hockey. Like this yeah. has nothing to do with ho- hockey card knowledge. This is just, just me feeling like Fiala was on the verge. Like, I feel like just the season was going so well for him after doing nothing for his whole career for the most part. <laughs> Second half of the season, he was really breaking out as a star. It seemed like he was getting points every single game. And I feel like there's like a lot of buzz around. People were getting excited about him. And then the season gets cut off. The Minnesota doesn't do anything in the playoffs. They don't even make it past the play-in round. So we didn't really get a chance. And now I feel like well, a full season... Again, it's just it's just my hunch based on what I saw. It just felt like Fiala's a star. And I feel like Arvidsson's like a good, solid, complimentary player, but he's not like the star of, of his team. So I yeah. think it's a big difference. That's fair enough. And Fiala's got no support, so he's going to get every chance to be the star on his team. Yeah, by the um, way, the, I, I didn't mention his name because I, I blanked really quickly. The, Marco Rossi is the center I was talking about. Oh, yes, I that. love Marco Rossi. So who knows? Um, Maybe we're looking at a Caprizov, Fiala, Rossi top line next year. Mwah, beauty. That's a rough top line. It's <laughs> amazing. <laughs> okay, let's let's do another one. What do you think about Ilya Samsonov? 
Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's very interesting, right? Because, like, what is his Young Guns even going for right now, Raw? I'm going to guess $25. Yeah, people are high on him. I feel like any of these, like, new players in a league that have some upside are, like, people are spending, like, a lot on. Like, a lot of them, I think, even right. overspending. Like, even Caden Primo, I guess, just because he's on the Habs, he goes for so much. So, Sam Sanavia, I'm seeing $20, $25, yeah, to buy his Young Guns. And I'm seeing a PSA 10 of his sold on a buy it now for $78 recently. Okay, 78 Yeah, so this is where... This one's really interesting to me because if you submit this to PSA tomorrow, you aren't getting this back until you know, like until you either know that he's a great goalie or he's not, or at least, or at least that he's a great goalie or not this year. Yeah. So by the time you get this back, he could be the superstar for the capitals or Lundqvist could be playing every game. And all of a sudden (laughs) this card is not going up in value. Yeah, I mean, definitely, if Lungfist is playing every game, then I think the Capitals are in trouble. But sure. hopefully, at least it's 50 50. But yeah, like, definitely, you're right. Like, Samsonov has the potential to be the starting goalie on a really good team. Now he has to prove himself, and a lot of people are super high on him. He has a great pedigree. So there's definitely a chance his, his card value goes up. But there's also. I don't know, definitely a reasonable chance that maybe he's a little overpriced right now because Washington may not be going up. Like, I think that Ovechkin and Backstrom and Oshie and some of these guys are, you know, Ovechkin, I'd love for him to just be amazing forever. It's been the best part of the last the 20 years of my life, just watching Ovechkin all the time. But like, I don't know. Uh, I'd be a little, I, like, I'm not so excited about the Caps, to be honest, and their long-term prospects. So Ilya Samsonov would really have... But, it, you know, he doesn't have to be on an amazing team. Like, he could ma- he could make the team amazing by being so good. And we just don't know. So that's a tricky one. I feel like he's someone I would almost... Uh, I, I would want to flip it quickly when he gets yeah. hot. Cause I, cause just because I already feel like he's... Like, he's already hot, right? So now if he could, like, take his current heat and then actually, like, you know, be a starter now that Holtby's gone and make a name for himself, I wonder if you just flip it right now. Unless you, like, think we're looking at, like, a future Hall of Fame, he's going to have this un- un- outstanding career. But, you know, it's it's hard. Like, even, like, a Robin Leonard, who's really doing amazing right now, it's not worth, like, so, so much. So unless you think he's going to be, like, a Lundqvist or a Patrick Waugh or a Carey Price, I don't know. Yeah, it's tough. I mean... In the heat of the playoffs, when Philadelphia was in it, people were selling Carter Hart PSA 10s for over $400. Right. So if that happened to Samsonov, or you could even make the same case for Shesterkin over on New York. I, then, who I would definitely like right. a lot better. So, you know, then it's $20 to buy the card. It's $20 to submit it to PSA. And now your kind of investment is, say, $40, probably more like 50 with shipping and all other crap put in there. But yeah. if that's your investment, even if you sold it at the price today, you're making, what was it, $27? For the raw? No, for the if you get a PSA 10 back. No, for Samsonov? Yeah. No, we're talking a lot, like $80. Like maybe even $80 more. total, but you paid 50 Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, yeah, yeah. So you could still make a profit if you flip it, but you're not getting it back right now. But right. I, I think I agree with you. Like, I was obviously giving, like, the potential downside, but I think that for most of these cards, if you're going to get a PSA 10, it's going to be worth it. Yeah. But you have to also keep into account the, like, what probability is there that you're getting a PSA 10 score? Yeah, so, yeah, so yeah. when I'm looking at the 
uh, at least on Beckett, because I'm able to go look at the population reports easily. Um, it seems that there's a lot more 9.5s than there are 9s, and the PSA equivalent would be 10s to 9s. Um, so I'm not sure if that's because people are not submitting cards that they don't think will get the highest score, or if in these modern cards that are relatively recent, you are more likely to get a PSA 10 or a BGS 9.5 than you are to not get one if it's kind of a new card. Okay. So yeah, I think it's a, my answer would be it's worth it for Samsonov if you get a 10. Right. So then you just have Um, to kind of do the math in your head of what probability you think your card has of getting that. Like look at it pretty carefully. Okay. Do you want to do one more? By the way, in the chat here, lap is saying how there's like a big range between the how much of a bump you get by getting a PSA 10 versus the raw cards. Adam Fox PSA 10 is 10 times the value of the raw card. And I have an Adam Fox, actually. There so you go. Sounds like I should send that. But I got to look at it and see if it's even... If it's it worth like a 10. Yeah, I've got an Adam Fox as well. So maybe we should be doing that. But who knows? In eight months. Um, I got a couple of Darlene's here. I want to send those. I definitely yeah, agree with I'm what you said last week about Darlene is going to be... Uh, here it is. Ready? I'm like ready. Damaging cards by just looking looking through them. No, there it is. Can That's you tell? Nice. What score is this? I can't tell on this chat, but I don't we see anything offer... major right now. <laughs> we should offer a service where people come join our Zoom calls, and then we grade their cards, and then they attach like a little like USB key with us saying it's a ten, and then that's mm. the. You know, that, that could be like a service we offer. That'll be credible coming from the near mint hockey card podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's an NM10. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll only grade things that we think are 7.5. By the way, did you see there was a guy in the Keeping Carlson Discord hockey cards chat room <laughs> channel, how he has a Gretzky rookie card that looks yeah. really nice, except like the corners were like pretty sweet. But then there was like there was like a on the surface there was like a like a dent like a, like almost like the like almost like it was stapled through or something like I don't know like something or like bad someone happened. hit it with a key or something yeah yeah so it's like how much do you think that affects do you have do you have a sense of like how much that affects the grade and like because I know like crappy corners can really take it down but then yeah. what about like just a a big <laughs> yeah slice in the middle of the card. I think it would be really interesting to do a whole episode about vintage cards and then kind of a section on grading them because when we talk about these these modern cards the corners are if we're talking about corners specifically the corners are almost always a 9 9.5 or 10 you're you're very rarely seeing things that are dinged up but when we're talking about the Gretzky that you just called looks awesome like it's more like like a 6 on the corners like they're right, still yeah. beat up a little bit it's just like getting a 9 or 10 Gretzky is literally impossible um, so you're kind of like the best Gretzky's are like six or sevens that you see on eBay. Um, but that, that's a strange one. I haven't ever seen like, like a literal, it looks like almost like a cut and it's not that big, but it's still like a fairly major surface issue. Um, so I don't, I don't know exactly how low that will get him. Um, but I still think for things like Gretzky's grading them are going to increase your value just generally yeah i mean rather than raw though 
I don't know. I guess at some point the score is like a PSA one or two. And then at <laughs> least if it's raw, you wonder if like maybe it could have been higher. Right, right. I want to do one more card to see what you think. And maybe okay. we can look up the values a little bit. But this one is one that is on my Edmonton Oilers. So I'm a little biased, which is why I want to ask you. Just and, send it. And that is Kyler Yamamoto. Hmm. I mean, right away, okay, I gotta let you know that when I play fan, I know Brian, my co-host for Keeping Carlson, he would say that I, like, get super excited about guys and, like, overly so compared to him where it takes him a lot longer to be convinced that someone's the real deal, blah, blah, blah. But I think it's a bit of a, maybe compared to him, I'm, like, more optimistic, but I still think I'm generally a little pessimistic sometimes. I guess clearly I wasn't about Kevin Fiala. Yamamoto had like an amazing run like a point per game run last season and he's young and like he's all the upside in the world there's so many reasons why you could say this guy's going to be a huge star in the league but i will counter by saying that he was on the top power play for a lot of that run because mcdavid was injured and in the short playoffs he didn't do anything but whatever that's a super small sample size but like if like he's not on the top power play then i don't know like what his upside is in the short term and so obviously though maybe in the future the oilers make room for him there but like that's just my initial pessimism to like thinking maybe kyler yamamoto may be a little overvalued right now but the upside's clearly there and looking at some values we're talking about like 16 17 dollars or even maybe 20 to buy it raw and then a graded one i don't even see it right now but i'm imagining what do you think we're looking at probably like 70 dollars or something probably similar to the uh to one of the other ones we were just talking about. So I'm not actually yeah. sure what the graded ones go for. Actually, I'm seeing um, a PSA 10 here, 93, another one for yeah. 89. So yeah, you could go. Yeah. So, that, so that's pretty good it. multiplication factor. And the thing with Yamamoto is he's an oiler. Yeah. And people in oil country love this kid. So it might even not matter that he's not on that top power play getting points. As long as he's playing next to Dry or McDavid, which it would be a catastrophe if he's not for him personally and for the Oilers as well. Um, then he's going to get his kind of floor of points for people to be talking about him. And I just don't see his value going down. I know. I know. But I'm just going to say one thing and then you could be mad at me or whatever because <laughs> I'm probably wrong. And like, it's not even like I, I think like I think what you're saying is like a very high likelihood, 60 percent likelihood of being true. But I will say that we've over the years seen lots of Oilers that we we're like, this guy's going to play with McDavid and he's going to be a sure thing. And that like even look at Jesse Pugliarvi, who yep. was on the team. We thought that was going to happen. And then he ended up like playing in the bottom six. Now, then he went off to Finland or whatever. And guess what? Now Pugliarvi's back. What if he's good and he bumps Yamamoto to the bottom six and Fuliarvi's the guy in that spot? Like, so I just feel like with the, with a team like the Oilers, they, they just seem to switch it around so much who gets in that top six. Like Yamamoto wasn't there at the start of this past season, but I know like he's young. So anyways, yeah. you're probably right. Like, I think that, it, and you're right, definitely. The one thing that's for sure 100% correct is that if he is playing in the top six then he's gonna have a great chance to get points and since the oilers are such a popular team people are gonna love him and everyone's gonna be so happy and his card value is gonna go up so all yamamoto has to do is hold this spot but i just think that it's not maybe not as sure a thing as you're saying it is but it's definitely a decent chance i mean that's fair enough he's not the star on the team i think 
the point there about him being bumped out of the bottom, out of the top six, is like Puliyarvi and someone else has to pass him because they just yeah. do not have right wingers. Wow, Kyle Turris, I think, has played right wing before, and like they could always like mm-hmm. tr- trade for someone or sign someone. Like, uh, yeah, but again, I'm just like trying to give you reasons not to, just to be a jerk. Like, I think I, I agree with you. Like, get that card graded. And then you, the tough decision will be if you get a PSA 10, do you sell it right now and take your profits or do you hold on and hope for bigger and better things? I think we're going to learn a lot about like he's like a guy kind of like Fiala also in that he sort of had a huge run at the end of last season. Now we get to see, can he do a full season of what he did at the end of last season? And that'll tell us a lot about what to expect about this guy moving forward. Yeah, that's probably a fair comparison as guys that broke out, except that Fiala played a lot of years in the in the league kind of doing nothing Right. Where Yamamoto is really at the beginning of his career. Yeah, though on the other side, you could say that Yamamoto was playing with superstars and is maybe very line dependent, while Fiala was doing it playing with, you know, not well, as talented players. I mean, that's okay. The Oilers are going to have those superstars. Fair. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, we could discuss this forever. And I don't even know why. I just, I feel like just when you're so excited, I have to bring the other side just to be, just to uh, make it even. But well, okay. no, that I, that's what I wanted. I came here with my Oilers player that I'm biased on, and you gotta you gotta check yourself sometimes from just buying the guys that you like to watch or you're hyped about. There's kind of like a little bit of the fact that like if you're hyped about it, other people might be as well. Of course, in the card world, that matters more than in the like pure hockey world let's call it um because the hype around the player actually kind of makes more of a difference than whether they score goals it's kind of counterintuitive but no it's all about hype right it's like and if you're but yeah and you're an Oilers fan and there's lots of Oilers fans out there there are thing is how hyped will you be if he goes on like a 10 game pointless streak but we'll deal with that when the time comes which will never happen I'm sure and the Oilers are going to win the Cup next year. Oh, and God. Mike Smith is going to win the Vesna. Don't tease uh, me. But that's, no, <laughs> definitely. If Koskinen has a chance, Mike Smith, I don't think so. All right, let me, uh, let me throw one at you to end the show then. Like, I obviously have some ones that I could just, like, brag and be like, oh, should I get my uh, Dylan Larkin? Whatever, okay. Like, here, uh, what about this guy? Because I was complaining before that I don't get why he's not worth more. Dougie Hamilton, Young Guns. He was, like, crushing it last year, having, like, a, the most amazing season before he got injured on the Canes. And I think I got this card for, like, five or six dollars i don't even know what the value is now i think that this there's like a little black spot here but i can't tell if that's like on the plastic case or if it's like hopefully it's not on the card that would be very disappointing i don't think it is i think it's just like a little hair or something inside the case here so yeah young guns Dougie hamilton 13 14 upper deck am i getting this guy graded or do i have to wait to for him to prove that it's worth it to me so you said you spent $20? No, no, like $5. Like, oh, $5. It was really cheap. Okay. And I was shocked. I was like, how could I not buy this guy that right. could be... Like, th- I think there's a reasonable expectation that he could challenge for the Norris next year if everything breaks right. So I don't see like the same hype on Dougie Hamilton, but that's not to say that he's not good. It's not to say that he won't be good. I just don't really see him as a guy that like is going to be in the news. Let's say. Um, I mean, I definitely feel like I wish we were doing this last year, right? Because like <laughs> he, there was a stretch like when the season started, he was the hottest defenseman in the league. Like he was, people were talking about him over Makar and Hughes, right? He had this insane start to the year. But were, oh. but were those people the people that like you talk to in fantasy hockey, or was like Sportsnet putting him on a highlight uh, reel? 
So you're saying that I have to buy cable in order to be good at valuing my hockey cards? I guess I have to. Well, you can go I, on yeah. YouTube. Like, but like, yeah, yeah, no, I, don't. I just like, I don't remember seeing any Dougie Hamilton like highlights or like appreciation reels hmm. where like everybody and their daughters were like, here's Kale McCarr. He's insane. Um, now, that said, I still don't think this is a bad investment as far as getting it graded because I'm looking at PSA 9s and those are about $40. PSA 10s are about 80 Now, they're also very, you can't really find them. So maybe that's another good thing. Um, if you have a PSA 10, maybe you can sell it for a little higher than you might be able to do so for a guy that's got 100 on eBay. But yeah, from like a pure flipping perspective if you get that graded and it comes back psa 10 you'll probably make like let's call it 40 bucks yeah though of course we were waiting like years yeah next year yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah it's interesting like i guess there's different kinds of players right like i feel like hamilton is a guy who i'm hoping that the hype will increase and you've got a yamamoto who you're probably hoping the hype will maintain that would even be like pretty sweet if he could maintain the hype he has but just like earn it more and so yeah like different parts of people's careers so okay we could obviously go on like this forever but we should probably end the show and i know we have a pretty sweet after show coming yeah yeah which i'd love to get to so for those of you watching live ryan is about to open a box of what is this trilogy which I do want to give a quick, okay, just for the actual show, what is this trilogy? It's Upper Deck Trilogy. It's not, there's no young guns in there, so you're going to have to try to convince me why I care what's inside. Right. So basically what I want to do is, for anyone live, for you, for me, is learn about the non-young guns cards out there. Learn about the non-young guns rookie cards. Uh, learn about the boxes that you can open. I think it's going to be really valuable to understand i i have this feeling that rookie cards that aren't young guns could be really good investments because people aren't paying as much attention to them and because they are collectible items and potentially collectors will kind of pay more for something um but i don't know enough about it so i kind of want to open some of these boxes we'll do that on the show every now and again just open something cool um trilogy hockey this is 2018-19 so I think the best prize in here is a Elias Pettersson rookie card. And in this one, they actually have levels of rookies. So where Young Guns has Young Guns and there's kind of like a few um, things like the autographed Young Guns or there's exclusives or kind of all these different versions of Young Guns, this one has three levels. So there's a common, uncommon, and rare version of each rookie. And uh, we're going to find out what they look like. I, don't, I, I have seen them on eBay, but we'll find out what the 2018-19 ones look like here. Um, but yeah, it's just a different box from Upper Deck. Uh, these ones actually, I picked this one because the Trilogy ones look really nice. Um, and I think that does matter. And uh, yeah, that's about all, all right. I got. So that'll be fun. So uh, that's what we'll be doing with the people watching us live. If you ever want to come watch us live, we're on Twitch at uh, Chell underscore IFY, Chellify, 
that underscore in there. But yeah, it's linked in the show notes, so you can go find it there. Uh, and then, of course, we ask as we close out the show that if you like the show, we'd love to hear from you. Tweet at us at Near Mint Hockey. Let us know what you think. We'd love to hear any feedback, uh, good or bad. If you really like the show, you could do us a favor and give us a five-star review on iTunes. You'll be like the pioneer. Like you'll be when people go in like 20 years from now and look at who were the first people to get on board and show that they like this podcast, your name would be there. So yeah, we would definitely appreciate you giving us that because then it'll help other people find the show. And hopefully, you know, I know you might be thinking, well, I don't want other people to find the show because then they're going to start bidding against me on eBay for the cards that I want. But, uh, you know... It's a bit of give and take, right? We're gonna, we're all gonna help make the industry so much more popular that we're gonna make all of our cards go up in value. Uh, yeah, you could also watch our videos after the fact at nearminthockey.com/slash/youtube. Again, all linked in the show notes. But yeah, the main story is we want to hear from you if you're listening. So uh, get in touch. And thank you for listening. And we'll catch you all with another episode next week.